Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we study biblical prophecy. And today we launch into St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, and chapter 2. These two letters, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, pardon a crass uh, analogy, but it's the most prophetic bang for your buck. In other words, if you go to a store that the dollar, and there's not too many stores like this today, but can go a long way, you're going to find more prophetic teaching in a very concentrated space in these two letters. We've already looked at 1 Thessalonians, and particularly chapters 4 and 5. It's two chapters you really want to get a handle on. Chapters 4 and 5 is where you want to basically concentrate on in 1 Thessalonians. Now when we get to 2 Thessalonians, you want to concentrate on chapter 2. There's a lot in here. It's very exciting. You're going to learn a lot about biblical prophecy from this single chapter, and even more so, the chapter is only 17 verses long, but the prophetic teaching is contained in 12 action-packed verses. So just in case you weren't with us when we did 1 Thessalonians, when we talk about the word eschatology, we're talking about the study of the last things as taught in the Bible. Eschatos in Greek simply means last eschatology means a study of last things. Now, most Catholics listening to the broadcast have certainly heard of the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell, and very often you hear of these topics during Advent, those four weeks preceding Christmas. I think there's countless Catholic books uh, on the four last things, but do you know that the four last things are a summary. They're an eschatological summary of the last things. Okay, let me try to parse this a little bit. In other words, the four last things that you hear about very often do not refer to everything in biblical prophecy. They're summaries of those things in biblical prophecies. And many are not aware that When you just hear the four last things and then a Protestant friend brings up something like the rapture, the Antichrist, the great apostasy, various topics, where does that fit in? Well, let me try to illustrate. Let's say you go to Netflix looking for a good movie, and Netflix has very brief summaries of a particular movie that might run for an hour, two, or even longer, and that summary might just be a sentence or two. Now, certainly, when you go to Netflix looking for a movie and read a summary, you don't take that summary for the content of the whole movie. And certainly, if you want to watch a good movie, you don't go to Netflix to simply read the summaries because you're really not getting what you're going for. The summary serves a very useful purpose. Summaries are great, if they serve as summaries. But if you take the summary as thinking, well, I know there's everything to know, uh, 
basically death, judgment, heaven, hell, and somebody asks you, what about the Antichrist? What events precede the second coming of Christ? Uh, well, we should know these things. These are part of the basic equipment of Christians in spiritual warfare. So, I've gone through 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and would you believe it, I found 10 last things in just 12 verses of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 10 things. And we're going to spend a good bit of time on these broadcasts going through these 10 last things. But let me just give you a quick summary of the 10 things found in 2 Thessalonians 2. The first thing we find is what's called an over-realized eschatology. And I realize that I just said something that probably 99% of you have never heard before and wondering what language I'm speaking in. We're going to study this, but this is over-realized eschatology. It starts with the first two verses of this chapter. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we beg you, brethren, not to be quickly shaken in mind or excited, either by spirit or by word or by letter, purporting to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. This form of overrealized eschatology, the Thessalonians were very interested in last things, and they thought that the second coming had already occurred. That's an overrealized eschatology. And we're we're gonna look next week what is a realized eschatology. In other words, a realized eschatology is a balanced look at the future. And to understand what caused them to go overboard, to be unbalanced, and to accept false teaching, it sounds like there's maybe even a letter that came with Paul's signature on it that really wasn't Paul's signature. What caused them to go overboard into over-realized eschatology? But once you understand what a realized eschatology is, it can dynamically change your Christian life forever, truly. And that's just number one out of 10 things, so I better get going. Number two is found in verse three. St. Paul says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And that rebellion in Greek is apostasy. There's a great rebellion. There's a worldwide apostasy that comes before the second coming of Christ. Some people believe that we are either in that great apostasy or we're in a great preview of what that great apostasy will be like when it gets here. But that's the second of last things taught in 2 Thessalonians 2. The third, the last part of verse 3, the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition. This is the Antichrist, just the second half of verse 3. And it's interesting that he's called the man of lawlessness. And we're going to basically dive into what is actually behind calling the Antichrist the man of lawlessness. How can we tell when the precursors for the Antichrist are appearing? How can we tell when a great apostasy is taking place in the world? Then we go 
to the fourth last thing in 2 Thessalonians 2, and we find out what the Antichrist does and what he says. And he opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. You see, worship is very important. Liturgy is very important. And no one knows that better. Well, other than Cardinal Sarah and Cardinal Ratzinger or Pope Benedict XVI, but the Antichrist knows the importance of liturgy, and that's why he is so intent on perverting liturgy, literally turning it upside down. And instead of man worshiping God, man worships man. And that's what's coming to the world. And whenever you have moves within any church, particularly the Catholic church where you worship man and emphasize man instead of God, well, guess what path you're on? but I get better get going because that was only number four. The fifth last thing in 2 Thessalonians 2, that there's a mysterious restrainer keeping the Antichrist from appearing in our world until the appointed time. And we're going to be talking about exactly what that restrainer, who or what it might be. And then the sixth last thing, we're told in verse 7, that that mystery of lawlessness, remember the Antichrist is called the man of lawlessness. But St. Paul says in verse seven, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. In other words, if we have good spiritual perception, it's already going on. It's just going to intensify and culminate at the end of time. So this should be no shock. We should be aware of even what's going on in our world. What steps is our world taking that could lead us to the man of sin? All right. Number seven, what happens to the man of lawlessness at the second coming? That's in verse eight. Well, there's going to be short work done by Christ when he comes. It's basically he will be slain with the breath of his mouth, and Christ will destroy him by his appearing and his coming. That's the second coming described in verse 8. Then something we all need to know about, the eighth of the ten last things in 2 Thessalonians 2, there will be false signs and wonders that the Antichrist will perform. You see, we're going to go from a very skeptical world that the only thing it's true that can be measured in a test tube, and as Chesterton told us, that those who fail to believe in God don't believe in nothing. They'll believe in anything, and they don't believe even the biblical scholars, so-called, who deny the miracles of the Bible. They will start believing the miracles of the Antichrist. Listen to just a couple of verses. The coming of the lawless one, third time the Antichrist is referred to as the lawless one, or what he will produce is lawlessness. The lawless one will come with the activity of Satan, with all power, with pretended signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception. So false signs and wonders are going to be occurring in the world. And then the ninth of the last things taught in 2 Thessalonians 2 is the cause for so many at the end of time falling for the deceptions of the Antichrist. 
Why would so many fall for this? Well, the wicked deception is for those who refuse to love the truth and so be saved. You know, the way we approach truth, the way we orient our lives around the truth, uh, and the way that uh, we may not like certain truths, so we just say, phooey on that and criticize uh, a pope or a bishop or a priest who has the boldness to proclaim truth. No, to reject truth sets one up to be deceived by lies. There are consequences for rejecting the truth. And it says then, therefore God sends upon them a strong delusion to make them believe what is false. And that's the cause for so many falling for end time delusions, rejecting the truth. Well, why would people reject the truth? Well, here's number 10 we see how the sexual revolution fits right into the Antichrist deceptions. The strong delusion comes upon those who believe what is false, that they did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is exactly what St. Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 1, the last half of the chapter. People reject God, engage in a sexual revolution. God gives them up to further delusions. They end up with lesbian, homosexual relationships, and finally, they are captured by the enemy. That's 2 Thessalonians 2, the 10 last things. Tune in next week as we dig in to realized eschatology. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 24 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.